Maybe, maybe you're looking for a relationship and things aren't working out the way you'd like. Maybe you just like a steady paycheck and you can't seem to hold a job. Maybe you want to get your finances in order and get out of debt, but that new pair of shoes, it's just calling your name. Maybe you want to exercise more, eat healthy, but dessert? <laughs> Who can resist dessert? Maybe you want to give up a bad habit and it just keeps rearing its ugly head. Maybe you'd like to learn something new, do something new, but your time, it's at a premium. See, we all have things that we'd like to achieve. And the only problem is there always seems to be something blocking our way forward. There's always some kind of obstacle in our path. And some people, they're go-getters and they see obstacles and it's a puzzle they can solve. And they can just get around it and move forward. But for most of us, for most of us, when we get to that point and something's blocking our way, we come to a standstill. We just stop. And maybe we're afraid. Maybe it's because we don't think that we're good enough, we're smart enough, or we're rich enough. We think that our obstacles in life, that they're insurmountable. We can't get past it. We can't overcome it. We think that we are stuck right where we are. And what happens? We find ourselves in a rut. We find ourselves just simply going through the motions of life. And our only goal is to maintain what we have just so we don't go backwards. Just take a break. Oh, it's working. <laughs> I don't even remember where I was. Sometimes we just get stuck. We're in a rut. We're going through the motions. Do you ever feel like that? I think I just was. <laughs> you're, you're just going around in circles, not making any forward progress. Have you ever played the game of life and you get that card that says, go back five spaces, and you're like, gosh, I've been here before. Everything just starts seeming routine in our lives. There's not really any excitement. Uh, maybe you feel like that today, at school, at home, with your friends, in your marriage, your job, or maybe even in church. You just do it because that's what you do. Life can get that way, doesn't it? We find ourselves in those routines where we know that Wednesday is going to be pretty much the same as Tuesday, and Tuesday was pretty much the same as Monday. We're going to get up at the same time. We're going to do the same thing in the morning and do the same thing we did the day before over and over again. The Israelites, they had found themselves in that situation because they had been here before. They were close to entering the promised land, and God said, send tens to Send 12 spies into the land to check out the land that I'm going to give you. And 10 of those men, they came back, they said, it's impossible. We can't do it. The land is beautiful. It's flowing with milk and honey. Everything is perfect. But there's a problem. The people that live there, they're big. They're strong. They're, they're just so tough looking that we look like grasshoppers, and they're going to squish us 
if we, take, if we go there. But Caleb and Joshua, they came back and they said, let's go, we've got this. God's giving this to us. People rebelled. They said, you know what, we'd rather be back in Egypt. We'd rather be slaves again than move into this promised land. And God got really frustrated with his people. He was ready, ready to just write them off and say, I'll start over. You guys just aren't getting it. And it was only through the intercession of Moses that God didn't start over. And we pick up our text for today as the Israelites are finally in sight of the promised land. Moses, the man who had led the people out of bondage in Egypt, he has passed away, and Joshua has been chosen to lead the people. God repeatedly tells Joshua, be strong and courageous because I am with you. So Joshua sends spies into the land, and they go into Jericho. They're hidden by Rahab. And when they come back, they, tell, they give this good report. They say, the people, they are melting in fear of us. We've got this. Let's go. But they had one obstacle left before they could take possession of the land God was giving them. They had to cross the Jordan River. So over the next few Sundays, we're going to see what it takes to overcome our obstacles, to get out of that rut, to quit going through the motions, and finally cross our Jordan. So I want us to pray this morning, and then we'll work through our text together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this opportunity this morning. Thank you that we are so able to freely gather together as your people to worship you uh, through songs, through prayer, through baptism, uh, and through our giving. And Lord, I just ask that as we go to your word today, that our hearts, that our minds, that they are open to you, that we're ready to hear what your word teaches us, that we're ready to apply that to our lives, and that we are ready to follow you wherever you lead us. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for what it's going to teach us today. And I just pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Joshua chapter 3, starting in the first verse, it reads, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim. And they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. <laughs> the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel. Now the first thing that I want us to see this morning the first thing that we need to do in order to move forward and cross our Jordan is to overcome those obstacles is to accept godly leaders. We need to accept godly leaders. Before Moses died, he had told the people that Joshua was going to lead them forward after he was gone. The people, they even agreed to follow him. Listen to what they said in Joshua chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. And they answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us, we will do. 
And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. And that sounds good, doesn't it? They're saying, whatever you tell us to do, we're going to do it. Wherever you tell us to go, that's where we're going to go. We're going to follow you just like Moses. They even put a condition on them following him. They said, only make sure, Joshua, that God is with you just like he was with Moses. And it's a good condition, isn't it? They want a leader they can follow. They want a leader they can trust. But more importantly, they want a leader that they know that God is with. And the church, the church needs to make sure that when they choose leaders, that they know God is with them and that they're leading in God's power and not their own. God tells Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, I am with you. And I, I, I need to make this clear, because when I talk about godly leaders, I am not talking about someone who's better than you, who's holier than you, who's smarter or more educated. A godly leader, a godly leader needs to lead God's way. It's as simple as that. A godly leader makes decisions based on God's revealed will in Scripture and seeks to fulfill God's purposes in the world to go and make disciples. And we need godly leaders in the church. Whether that's the pastor, the elders, the deacons, Sunday school teachers, life group leaders, uh, anybody. We need those people committed to God and to His leadership. You see, it's important that you know that a pastor, a program, a project, or a plan is not going to achieve his purpose. It's not going to. But people, people who are submitted to his will, that's what's going to change things. That's when his kingdom will start growing. But we also need godly leaders outside of the church, don't we? We need godly leaders all in our schools, in our homes, in our workplaces, our families, our marriages. We need godly leaders. And if we're ever going to overcome any obstacle that we're facing, we need godly leaders. And maybe today God has placed it on your heart to step up and be a leader, to be a godly leader. Is he calling you to teach? To, to lead a life group, to take up an active role in this church, to volunteer and to serve wherever you're needed, to help move this church forward and be obedient to his command to go and make disciples. Maybe God's putting it on your heart to step up to the plate at home or at school or at work or when, among your friends or in your marriage to be a godly leader in that situation. See, we don't just need godly leaders here. We need them out there. And I don't mean some party or a politician because that's not going to change anything. Only men and women and boys and girls who are submitted to his will and his purpose will things ever change. And if we're willing to accept godly leaders, we better be ready to follow we need to be ready to follow. What does verse 3 tell us? It says, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. He says, when you see the Ark moving, 
When it starts being carried away, you need to get up and you need to go after it. But what was the ark? Was it a boat like Noah's? I mean, if you've been down to the ark encounter, it was actually just a wooden box covered in gold with a golden lid with three things in it. The stone tablets that contained the law that was given to Moses, Aaron's staff that had budded, and a jar of unspoilt manna. But more importantly for the Israelites, for the people, the ark symbolized God's presence among them. The ark, it was placed in the tabernacle, in the place of meeting, and that's where Moses would actually communicate with God. And at that time, it was where God was actually present with his people, which is kind of sad because they carried God around in a box. Yes, God had chosen a leader for them. He had chosen Joshua. But God, God was still the one who was calling the shots. Think of it. When the ark moved, that's when the people moved. They didn't follow Joshua. They were going to follow the ark. When the ark moved, the people needed to get up and go after God. But then they're told that they had to keep their distance. They had to stay 2,000 cubits away uh, so that you can know where you can go because you've never been here before. He says, stay back 2,000 cubits. That's about 1,000 yards, 900 meters, 10 football fields. They had to stay pretty far back. Why do you think they needed to? Why did they need to stay so far away? Was it to keep them away from God? Was it to show respect? But there were Levites who actually carried the ark on poles. Why did they need to keep their distance? It's because God was trying to teach them an important lesson. He's saying to them, let me lead you and you follow. Let me lead you, and you follow me. He's trying to make them understand that he is choosing the direction that they needed to go. It's like he said, don't you try to go first and hope that I'm going to follow, because just like all of us, we would have probably gone in any direction except the one God wanted us to. But the important reason was because they've never been this way before. God was going to take them someplace that they had never been. God's saying, listen, we are going to go in a new direction. You are going someplace new. We aren't going to go down the same old roads that we've been down in the past. And just so you don't get lost, just so you don't lose your way, follow me. Let me go first and you follow. But how often in our lives do we try to go first and hope that God's going to follow us in the direction we've chosen? We start pushing for, we start making plans. We just assume that God is going to go where we want him to. We think, if I say a quick prayer, if I say I'm doing this in God's name, things are going to work out. But it doesn't work that way. God wants us to be ready to follow when he moves. He wants us to move after him. Think about Abraham. Hebrews 11:8 tells us by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place that he was going to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Think about that. Abraham went where God told him to. He didn't know where it was. He didn't know the road that he was supposed to take, but he did it anyway. He did it by faith. He did it because he trusted that God knew best. 
Think back when the people agreed to follow Joshua. Think of what they said in Joshua 1, verses 16 and 17. They said, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. May the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Now, if you were paying attention, or if you've read through the Exodus account or the book of Numbers, which I'm sure everybody here has, did they ever fully obey Moses? I mean, there's a pretty good reason that a journey that it should have only taken a couple weeks wound up taking 40 years. They weren't fully obedient. They, they did their own thing, and it cost them 40 years of not being allowed into the promised land. And it makes me think that they were only going to follow when things were easy. That they were only going to follow God when things were all peachy. But when times got tough, when things got difficult, they decided they'd be better off staying in Egypt as slaves. See, God wants us to be ready to follow him even when it doesn't look easy. But there's one last thing. I love what Joshua tells the people to do in verse 5. He says, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow God will do amazing things among you. He says we need to consecrate ourselves. And that's a great word, consecrate. We don't really know what it means uh, it simply means to, to separate from everyday secular use so that it can be used only for holy and sacred purposes. And Joshua is telling the people, he's saying, if we want to be used by God, if we, if we want to do what he, he wants us to do, we need to separate ourselves. We need to separate ourselves from the ways of the world and dedicate ourselves to him. Really, he's saying we need to be holy because he's holy. And for these people, it would have involved probably two things, bathing and washing their clothes. In a way, it was like they were trying to wash the contamination of the world off of them. And I'm just going to throw this out here today. I'm going to say it's still a good idea to bathe and change your clothes. Keep doing that. But how can we consecrate ourselves? How, how do we set ourselves apart from the everyday, from the secular world that we live in? How can we have a deeper relationship with Christ? How, how do we prepare ourselves? First, I'd say spend time in God's Word. It's so important, and so many people who say they're Christians don't. Spend time reading, studying, and thinking about His Word. And pray. Not just in the morning or before a meal or before you go to bed. With Make prayer an all-day thing. Talk to him all day. Tell him how you feel. Tell him what you're thinking. Tell him, ask him to use you and make, him, make yourself available to his will. Don't just use prayer to ask for things that you would like. Don't say, God, I'd like, I'd like to win the lottery today or I'd like a new car. Ask for God's will to be done in your life. See, amazing things can happen when we do that. But sometimes our lives are so full of other things that he can't get in. I mean, we want more of him in our lives. Uh, we want to be filled with his spirit, but there's things holding us back. Our lives are kind of like this. 
we want more of God, but we've got all of this junk in it. And we ask him to fill it, and he pours into us, and it just spills out. Because there's too much in there. And sometimes that means we need to ask him to let him in. We need to let him into parts of our lives that we're not. And maybe for you, maybe that's at work. That you're not letting your faith impact where you work. Maybe at school, God's not a part of that because that wouldn't be cool. So you're keeping him out of that part of your life. Maybe there's a relationship. And, you know, if I was going to be committed to Christ, then this relationship's going to fall apart. Or maybe there's some friends that you have. There's a friendship. And, you know, I can't let God be part of that. Or maybe you're hurt by someone. And you're holding on to that hurt. Or you have multiple places where you hurt. Sometimes we just need to get rid of that. Maybe you're angry at someone because they did hurt you. And you're going to hold on to that and you're not going to let that go. Maybe you're jealous. Everybody else's life, it's so easy, it's so... And my life is so hard and you're jealous. Maybe there's a lot of pride in your life. I don't need God. I don't need him to be part of my life. I don't need his directions. Maybe there's a failure. And, and you just can't seem to get past that. And you need to get rid of it. Maybe God's not in your finances because it's your money and you worked for it. Not realizing that everything we have comes from him. See, I don't know what stones that you have in your life You're never going to get rid of all of them. But the more that we do, the more he can pour into us. And the more that we can be used by him. And every time we're filled more of him, there'll be more of these that we can take out. So that we can have more of him and be used more by him. As the worship team comes, maybe this morning the biggest rock, the biggest stone that is keeping you away is one that people stumble over. A stone named Jesus Christ. He came, he lived a perfect sinless life. He was accused, he was put on trial. He was nailed to a Roman cross and died. But on that third day, he rose from the dead, victorious over death, putting paid to the sin in our own lives. And it's only by getting past that stone and accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior that you'll be able to be filled with him and his purpose. Maybe you this morning, you need to know Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you need to come to these steps and say, Lord, show me the stones in my life. Show me what I need to lose and get rid of so that I can be used by you. Maybe, maybe God is calling you to be a leader today. And don't put that off. 
maybe he's calling you to serve, to be something more than you are. Maybe God's calling you to be part of this church body, this local body of believers. And you'd like to say, I want to be part of this. Whatever he's putting on your heart today, no matter how many stones that you've got in your life, they're no obstacle for him. Joshua 3, 5 says, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And that is an amazing promise. If we are ready to follow him, if we are ready to move forward in our lives and as a church, consecrate yourselves. Because God's going to take us somewhere we've never been before. And he is going to do wonders. He still does wonders today. And he wants to do something amazing in your life. I'm going to pray. As they sing, I encourage you, if you need to spend some time here, if you need Christ in your life, I encourage you to come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you that you accept us as just like we are, as flawed, as broken, as hurt as we may be, that you're ready to welcome us with open arms, that you're ready to forgive our sins, and to accept us into your family. And Lord, I pray for those that are here this morning. And Lord, I pray that you help them get ready to follow you, to consecrate themselves, to allow them to be used by you so that you can do wonders among us. And Lord, I pray if there is someone here that doesn't know your son is their personal Lord and Savior, that they take this opportunity to come, to confess their sins, and accept you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, help us prepare for, for what you have planned for the future. Help us get ready to follow as you lead the way. Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus, and it's in his name I pray. Amen.